Hey everybody, this is Andy Spateri, host of the Champions Cast and the Omega Metroid Podcast. During the last few difficult months, uh, I've hoped that my podcast could provide some much-needed fun and relief and a form of escapism from everything going on. But with the events that have transpired in the last week, uh, I just feel like right now escapism isn't good enough. And uh, I wanted to use the platform that I have to encourage everybody to not stay neutral in the face of racism and injustice. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to use your voice. Nothing I can say can alleviate the pain and anger that we all feel right now, but uh, it's very important for us all to let our brothers and our sisters of color know that we are here with them and that we see them and that we support them and that we honor them and that we will fight alongside with them. Um, what happened was wrong. It was immoral and it was wrong. Uh, if you are able to help out financially, that would be fantastic. Uh, there's a couple organizations that I'll read off here and I'll list in the comments over in Podbean where you can donate to. If you're not able to help out financially, that's totally fine. Please consider sharing so that other people that may be able to consider donating financially can do so. Um, GoFundMe.com forward slash F forward slash George Floyd is one of the main donation sites, minnesotafreedomfund.org and blacklivesmatter.com. And again, I will link these in the description over on podbean.com. Um, stay safe, everybody. Be smart. And uh, hopefully we will we'll all get through this together. Let's talk some video games now. It is our 111st episode today. My name is Andy Spateri, and as always, joined by Al Aletha. Al, how are you? I am doing uh, just pretty neutral, actually. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's been it's been a tough week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, like I said at the the beginning of the show here, uh, lots of places where you can help out if you if you choose to, but. Um, for now, Allison, unless there's anything that you want to kind of get off your chest before we get into this, uh, we can talk about some Zelda uh, if you are ready. I yeah, let's let's just jump into the more positive things. Yes, okay, I, I'm totally down with that. Let's do it. Um, this I love these episodes. We got a we got a great episode for you guys this week. This is fan questions, so uh, ask us anything about Zelda. These episodes are absolutely fantastic because we don't have to do anything to prepare for them. We, <laughs> we just let you guys do all the work. So that's really what I'm all about, uh, letting other people do my work. So, um, you know, I guess we, we've got a lot of questions, actually. And uh, this could run uh, maybe a little bit longer here. So I guess we should get into it. Um, I want to give a shout out to Tony, a.k.a. Low Rule Legend, for being the first person to complain about me pinging every single person in the Zelda Dungeon <laughs> Discord asking for questions, by the way. Um, always love that. And, and you know what, actually? I, I just thought of something, Al. Before we get started here, I'm going to give you a second to to kind of defend yourself because you had some criticism from certain people uh, about your 
about your criteria for making your definitive oh. ranking uh, list in the Wind Waker. Uh, <laughs> anything you want to want to say to respond to those certain people, Mossies, that were criticizing you? I I the Mossies. <laughs> I love how you single him out. Um, actually, when we were talking about it the other day, I I feel like Goo made the best point out of everybody. And it's just that you're ranking these games. When we talk about the definitive ranking and everybody who decides to participate in that event with that goes on with Mossies and Goo and then our own talks with the Champions cast, you're ranking it based on your own personal experience, not what you think that everybody else experiences with the game. So when we talk about like, oh, you shouldn't really think about speedrunning it because not everybody speedruns it, but I do. So that's how I... um, I, I both speedrun and, like, do completionist runs. So I judge based on my experience with the game. And so I still think the pacing of Wind Waker is a 5. <laughs> and I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like that old that old saying, like, uh, I hate what you said, Alson, but I'll, I'll fight to the death to defend your right to say it. When you said that... You when you gave that a five for pacing and progression, it made me want to check into rehab. But <laughs> people listen to Champions Cast to hear Allison's opinions on games, and so by God, that's what you gave him. And uh, you know what? I'm I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but I'll probably never stop. You know, kind of busting your butt about that. Just <laughs> right. FYI. But, <laughs> that's um, fine. Yeah, that was we were having we were having a little bit of fun. But I think Mossies was like actually deeply offended by that, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. Um, so that's awesome you know what take that moss let's get into these questions here al because we have a lot to go through um and uh i guess let's just get it uh, kicked off with a question that i'm gonna cheat on pretty much immediately fire spit <laughs> fi- sorry fire spirit not fire spit fire spirit three asks what is the hardest breath of the wild shrine to pronounce so I'm going to cheat and pick D, all of the above, for every single one, because I can't pick out any of them. I was going to say the same, and then I was just going to try and read some really quick, because I have a list right in front of me, like, Dao Na E, Jitan Sa... I, you know, to be honest, when I play Breath of the Wild, I don't even read the names. No, me neither. I think I, I did kind of what first they are. Four. Yeah. And that's it. That's all I... I'm sorry. There's, like you know, a hundred and so many. So <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and try and pronounce them all and pick the hardest one. It's impossible. How many did the champions ballad add again? Uh, 12. Is that right? Um, I think, yeah, three per area plus the four on the, the four new ones on the great, great plateau, plateau. So yeah. Okay. So 16. I, good God. I mean, that's, uh, that's 140 shrines almost. And all of them have impronounceable names. Um, so yeah, the, the answer is D, all of the above. <laughs> um, Tony, aka Little Rule Legend, who uh, he has asked a a bunch of questions on this week's episode here, so let's get used to that name. Uh, he asks, if you give Link a deeper backstory, does that take away from the magic of putting yourself in Link's shoes? Allison, what do you think? Um, I feel like it doesn't matter at this point anymore. I understand what they what Nintendo meant about that at the beginning of the series um, with The Legend of Zelda and you like put yourself in this young boy's shoes and you're going to save the world. But this series is now 30, almost 35 years old. 
and there's been so many different stories for Link that I think it doesn't matter anymore. He's his own character. He's not he's not your quote-unquote Link into Hyrule anymore. So I feel like I want a deeper backstory for him. I want an, You know how, like, in Breath of the Wild, Zelda mentions that his dad is a knight? Like, I would have loved to learn more about his dad, you know? Right. So I'm kind of hoping we get to see some of that in Breath of the Wild 2. I hope we get to see more of a backstory for Link in future Zelda games. I just think it doesn't matter anymore. You took the words out of my mouth, actually. Um, I think, like... Like in the in the NES days, um, he was like a player avatar, and that was fine. But like even in a Link to the Past, I feel like he has more of his own character, and especially in subsequent games, and it, like especially where we are now, like my God, almost forty years later, um, where you know he is he is his own character. Like Link is Link. He is not a player avatar anymore. He has quirks. He has um, just different personality traits that we know and expect from Link. Uh, sure, he doesn't talk, but that doesn't matter, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I I would like to see a deeper backstory. Um, for me, I just I don't really um, you know I don't really relate to the silent protagonist typically. Um, like especially in RPGs, I don't like when RPG characters don't talk. But I think it works for Link. But at the same time, I, I think that he's developed his own personality over the years, and to just say that he's still a player avatar. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like that at all. So yeah, I think that a deeper backstory is is fine. Um, all right, let's let's move on. Alex ninety five says, "How many Zeldas have you one hundred percent completed?" A lot. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, I think I've I've done every one of them except for. Um, I didn't do Breath of the Wild because I just I didn't want to hunt for all the Korok seeds, but I did all the shrines and I did all the uh, like I, I did I did everything of importance I think in Breath of the Wild. Um, I didn't do Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Tracks because playing those again makes me want to check into rehab, which actually we're <laughs> going to talk about here in a couple weeks. Um, yep. But yeah, I think those are the only three, and I've. And I've hundred percent of games like like Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land and Balloon Trip of Love and um, Cadence of Hyrule, all, all these kind of side games as well. Nice. I um I've played almost every Zelda game. The only two I haven't played is Oracle of Ages and Spirit Tracks, but I have not hundred percent all those games that I've played. Mostly because I just didn't want to. <laughs> like like yeah. I love Phantom Hourglass, but I never hundred percent that game in all of my life. And I think. I have 100 percent in Breath of the Wild enough for both of us, Andy. <laughs> yeah, so, that just didn't seem like something that I was just like, you know, I think this game is amazing and fun. I don't want it to not be fun because I'm like 100 percenting it. Oh, I love it. I I kind of want to do it again here in the near future. We'll see. But I think I counted eight eight Zelda games that I have 100 percent. Okay, okay, that's a decent amount. Yeah. Um. All right, let's keep it with the Breath of the Wild theme here. RCP0993 asks, did anyone else think Breath of the Wild's story kind of lacked because of the open world? I'd like to hear that answered and hear thoughts. Um, you know what? I I think that the story did lack. I'm not sure that I would necessarily blame the open world, though. Um, because you can tell a good story with an open world style game. It's just that they didn't with Breath of the Wild. I don't think like they mm -hmm. they, you know, they told great. They had really great character moments, and they built up good characters. But as like a 
a narrative. Like there's just a lot of stuff that I don't really like. Um, you, you don't get a send off for any of the champions. You just kind of hear that they died off screen. You there's like plot holes everywhere about Calamity Ganon. Like what is Calamity Ganon? Nobody still knows. Um, what was Zelda doing for a hundred years? Like there's just a lot of this stuff. So I feel like, you know, it wasn't necessarily because of the open world. It probably didn't help. And it probably didn't help, especially because this was their first foray into that um, new kind of format for Zelda. But I don't know that I would blame it entirely. What about you, Al? Um, I'm exactly, that's exactly what I said too, is that I, I do think that the story is lacking, but it's not, I don't think it's the open world's uh, fault. In fact, I feel like the open world kind of solidifies what little story is there. You're in this po post like apocalyptic Hyrule and everywhere you go, you know, except for the certain spots that weren't really touched by the calamity, it like solidifies what story we know. So I feel like the open right. world isn't at fault. Um, uh, you know, I, I actually love like uh, the concept of like going to certain landmarks and like you can trigger memories and stuff that happened yeah. with that. Like I, I think that that was actually a really great mechanic. It's just yeah. like the the overall structure and narrative was was lacking to to tie it all together. I I think what people might assume is that in order for Nintendo to more fully focus on the open world that they were creating, they probably didn't spend as much time on the story. So I can see why you could blame that, but it's not, I don't think it's the, the world itself. I don't think it's that fault for the lack of story. I just think it's Nintendo's fault. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Um, okay, uh, Scouse Mouse, uh, sorry buddy if I butchered your name there, asks, speaking of, what's the worst thing about your favorite Zelda game? Allison, tell us the worst thing about your favorite Zelda. <laughs> Um, I guess the song of the hero quest in Skyward Sword. I've been complaining a lot about that lately just because I've been trying to run that game and it's so long. That game is so long, but I, I mean, I love it, but God, when you get to that portion of the game, it, I'm going to use your words from last week. It's a momentum killer to get there. And you're like, I have to go back to all three areas again, do some dumb kind of like fetch quest when I feel like when I've done seven or right. eight dungeons at this point and I just want to finish the game. I want to beat the game. I want to know what happens at the end. I don't want to go back up to all these areas again. So that's, that's the worst part of my favorite game. Okay. You know, we, I actually think that we did a feature on this um, at Zelda dungeon, not maybe like a year ago. Mm -hmm. So um, Mouse, if you want a more in-depth answer from everybody, check out that feature uh, on ZeldaDungeon.net. Uh, you know, my the worst thing about my favorite Zelda game, which is Ocarina of Time, is like, it's such a small complaint, but one that I think could have been improved. Um, you meet, in, in Ocarina of Time, when you're a kid, you meet all of the um, all of the sages over the course of that game. And, like, you kind of build up a rapport with Syria, with Ruto, with Darunia, uh, even Impa to an extent. I mean, not necessarily. But then you go out and you do almost all of the game. And you're, like, got you got to be, like, 75% of the way done before you finally meet Niburu. And I would have liked oh. if you would have been able to meet Niburu when you were a kid to at least kind of set up um, set up the, the, the encounter, I guess, later in the game. And I think that you could have done it in a pretty easy way, actually. Like, I think when you're Link and you're sneaking into Hyrule Castle and you're looking through the glass to see 
Ganondorf. You could have also had Niburu there, or maybe they could have ran into each other, or like some. I, I just think I would have personally changed it to to make Niburu show up a little bit earlier because her inclusion towards the end uh, didn't have the same payoff as everyone else did because you mm-hmm. you know you had just met her. Yeah, it felt very rushed. Um, yeah, and I, I mean it was very rushed. So yeah. that would be that would be the change that I would make. But I'm you know nothing, nothing like game ruining by any means. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Okay, Rune Wolf twenty five says, "What kind of dungeons would you like to see in Breath of the Wild, and what would be your ideal dungeons?" I'm gonna sum this one up in two words and just say good ones. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I I mean I don't know. I really like the the element that the quote-unquote dungeons, the Divine Beasts of Breath of the Wild brought. Like, I feel like it fits, but they were too small, too short. We talk about pacing a lot and how some dungeons feel super long and some feel super short. Well, these ones felt short, except for the final Divine Beast in the Champion's Ballad DLC. I feel like that one, if you could make the rest of the dungeons or the rest of the Divine Beasts in maybe Breath of the Wild 2, um, however they decide to continue that. If you can make them like that, I I think nobody would complain about the dungeons in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I, I just think that like the the novelty of the dungeon or the Divine Beast wore off after you did the first one because like they're all pretty much the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that there's like differences among them, but fundamentally they're all pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Um. So I think that like. Um, it, it, I think it's really important for, for my personal taste. I think a good dungeon has to theme itself really well. Like, um, you know, give it, like, they all kind of looked the same. And I, probably that's because they were all inside these mechanical creatures. But, like, give it, give them their own personality, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Um, and then, you know, um, maybe you don't have to include, like, the typical you know, Zelda-isms where, like, you find items and keys and stuff like that if you don't want. I, I think that we're okay moving on from that, but, like, just make them so that they feel unique and, and challenging, I guess, because, the, yeah, the Divine Beasts were short, they were easy, and they were very similar to each other, with the final Divine Beast being the exception, but um, I feel like probably a lot of people didn't even bother to play that one, so mm-hmm. there it is. There it is. All right, Tony's back, Lower Legend. Uh, he asks, would you be okay if a future Zelda game ended with Link dying and Zelda stopping Ganondorf herself and Link is never brought back to life in that game? Damn. That's cold. Al, what do you think? <laughs> I I don't know what to think of this. Like, I, I wouldn't be opposed if Zelda stopping Ganondorf herself, especially if, you know, if people's theories about her being a playable character in the next game are correct i think that would be really cool in fact i was when i was watching uh mossies yesterday he was playing um zelda's adventure which obviously looks like an awful game but you get to defeat ganon as zelda that's so cool so i i like that part of it but i don't know if it's because like i don't want her to be spurred by link's death i just want her to be a ba because she's a ba you know what i mean like i don't think link needs to die but it would be cool if Zelda defeated Gandorf herself. Yeah, I kind of agree. I just, um, I don't know. That's that's too dark for me. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's just uh, Link dying in, in Breath of the Wild and going to the Shrine of Resurrection is, like, the most I want to see of Link dying. Like, yeah. I, I think that that was a really great moment when he was fighting off all the Guardians. And, like, 
Zelda. Sa- I mean, that basically that's exactly what happened. Is Link died and Zelda saved him, but just instead of Ganondorf, it was Guardians. So like, I thought that that was a really cool moment. But like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I want to see him just like like dead. And in fact, no, I I don't want to see that. That's that's too much. It's too much. I would miss my boy if that happened. <laughs> um, Corey asks, does the goddess Hylia, uh, or I think he, what he meant to ask is, is the goddess Hylia a good addition to the series? Or does she cheapen the lore value of Din, Nehru, and Faror? Um, you know what? I kind of... I, I like Hylia, actually, because, like, maybe it's the Pokemon fan in me, but, like, I can see where, like, the trilogy of, of goddesses I, I, is really cool. I like it. But, like, to have one kind of... Um, not master, but, like, one higher power behind them, I think, is is kind of a cool concept. They, they do that in Pokemon, where, like, there's a trilogy usually of legendary pokemon but there's like one legendary pokemon that oversees the trilogy and mm-hmm. i kind of like that um so yeah i i don't have a problem with it i i really like kind of the idea that zelda is is highly a reborn so uh, yeah i like it without getting you know too deep into the woods about like the religion of legend of zelda um i'm not opposed to it at all i uh, this is something that always kind of confused me. Like, who came first? Was it Hylia or was it the three goddesses? I I don't know. We're not going to get that far into it. But I, I also like her. I feel like she's kind of like the ambassador to the three goddesses. You know, the three goddesses they created Hyrule, as you learn in, like, Ocarina of Time. But she's kind of the person that everybody, you know, like they worship and they pray to and all that kind of stuff i feel like she's whether she came first or second i feel like she's the middle ground to those uh those higher powers so so, so she's almost like the jesus in this sense yeah okay. yeah i like her in that sense yes okay uh see i my my thinking was kind of flipped i i imagined her creating the the golden goddesses and, and then kind of doing her work but yeah yeah i think i mean i think that the the idea behind it is pretty cool. Like you can go a lot of different directions as we just did. So I'm not opposed to it um, at all. All right. Taylor Wells, shout out to Taylor asks, if you had to delete every single Zelda game from existence, bar one, which Zelda game would survive? Allison, can I guess which game you would pick? Yeah. What game do you think I'd pick? Breath of the Wild. Yep. I did. (laughs) I did. Yeah. That's I don't like this question because I don't like the idea of only playing Breath of the Wild forever. But if I had to, I would play Breath of the Wild forever. Uh, yeah. You know what? I it it's not my favorite Zelda, but I'd probably pick Breath of the Wild too, just because it's so like there's so much that you can do. Um, like I I love Ocarina of Time. That's my it's my favorite game in the world, favorite game ever. But like. You know, you can only play Ocarina of Time so many times. Like you can, mm-hmm. you could probably fit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lowball here and say 20 playthroughs of Ocarina of Time in one playthrough of Breath of the Wild. Like I, in my one playthrough of Breath of the Wild, there's 250 hours, and that's on the low end of people that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I like legitimately think you could fit 20 Ocarina of Time playthroughs in there. So I think it would be Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's fair. And there's just. There's just so many different ways to play it, too. Like, you could speedrun it, and then on top of speedrunning it, there are so many categories that you could try. It's ridiculous. Or you can 100% it um, to Nintendo's standard, or you can 100% it even beyond that. So, there's just... You could... I could play that game forever. All right. Uh, Levias Song 
asks, if you could take out one Silent Realm and Skyward Sword, which would it be? I'm going to kind of buck the system here and say none, because I love Silent Realms. I think that they're <laughs> so fun. Like, something about the tenseness, the kind of stealthy elements, but, like, you got to be fast. I really love the Silent Realms and Skyward Sword, which is funny because I, like, truly hate the Twilight Realms and <laughs> Twilight Princess. I feel like they're totally different things, though. Like, one is obviously better than the other. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've seen a lot of people kind of compare them back and forth. Yeah. Um, I would get rid of the Elden one. Uh, only, well, I I also really like the Silent Realms. I think they're a fun, like, kind of intermission to everything that you're doing in that game. But, first of all, the song to get open up the Elden Silent Realm is atrocious. And secondly, I feel like there's a lot more uh, space in between the tiers. And I, there, there's a lot more areas where you can mess up, too, especially yeah, going down which makes the, it the slopes. Fun. I mean, it makes yeah. it fun and challenging. But at the same time, if I'm speedrunning it, it's kind of the most annoying one, in my opinion. So I would get rid of the Elden one. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I could see that. If I had to pick, it'd probably be that one, because I just remember, like, sliding down, missing one, going up, sliding down, missing the same yeah. one, and I'm just like, ah! But um, I, I actually, I like them a lot, and just the idea behind them is something that I, I really like. We were actually discussing um, stealth in the Legend of Zelda series not that long ago, so that, that may or may not be an episode coming to you in the near future. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, great question. Tony is back, and Tony asks, what do you think the name of the Breath of the Wild sequel is going to be? This is a great question, Al. And I actually kind of think, I mean, obviously none of us have any idea, but I kind of think that it is going to incorporate the the title of Breath of the Wild a little bit, like kind of like A Link Between Worlds and A Link to the Past. I mm -hmm. could see it being like, um, like, I don't, like, I don't know, Ganon of the Wild or like Song of the Wild or, or Jogging in the Wild or something like that. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like with the wild or if they had breath in there, kind of like Breath of, of Ganon. Or something. Yeah. I, uh, these questions are hard for me because I'm not create. I'm not a creative thinker in this kind of way. Um, and I still, like, when they first announced the name of Breath of the Wild, I thought it was so corny. I was like, what the heck? I like it now. It's just at first I was just like, this is weird for a Zelda title. But I, I think it's going to have something to do uh, with either the Triforce or Demise's Curse. I feel like... I feel like that's the direction I want it to go in, so that's what it's going to be. <laughs> I actually remember loving Breath of the Wild. I thought that it was, like, so apropos for everything that we had seen so far. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just because it was a change. It was very much a change for a Zelda title that I was just like, ugh, yeah. I don't like this. But I, I, I always get used to change, so it, you just need to give me a little bit on that. <laughs> I mean, pretty much... You know, almost all of the uh, the titles for Zelda games beforehand, with a few exceptions here and there, have been named either after characters or after objects in said game. So yeah, it was it was definitely nice to see. Like, like can you imagine if they named it like The Legend of Zelda Sheikah Slate? You know what I mean? Because like, I feel like that was kind of the the Zelda the thing Sheikah to do Slate. before. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. I get. I I like the name now, so it's good. All right, um, Jedi Geek Girl asks, what boss was the hardest for you to beat the first time, or which one did you die against the most the first time that you played? Uh, you know, I was trying to think of the answer to this, and, like, I I truly don't remember 
a Zelda boss that's like super challenging. And I'm not trying to say that I'm like a fantastic player, but like I I really don't. I think if I had to pick one, um, Thunderblade Ganon kicked my ass like a bunch oh, of times yeah. before I beat him. But that like even that wasn't um, like I didn't beat him because I didn't want to use a bunch of my items and stuff that I had, or I didn't want to like break my good swords. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Uh, I I wouldn't say that the Zelda series is necessarily like you know, a challenging one, uh, especially if you kind of speak the Zelda language as we do. So um, I was thinking about this, and I think Thunderblade is the best answer that I can come up with. I think that's fair. I'm, I also am having a hard time thinking of when I encountered these bosses for the first time. But I did, yeah, have, an, I did have an answer for what is causing me the most havoc right now, and that is Skurvo from Skyward Sword. I keep... I, you know he's not that hard but i keep dying <laughs> he's pretty brutal in hero mode i'm just saying so that's that's my answer all right More... you know what allison i got an answer for you how about okay. this defend this okay I'm, I'm playing phantom hourglass oh god night. okay my hand is tired from holding my ds with one hand <laughs> my other hand is tired from tapping and stroking and doodling on the screen with the stylus <laughs> and i'm fighting bellum and Ciela's like, hey, Link, here's a here's a doohickey. Make a figure eight, and you can freeze Bellum in time. And I'm like, great. And I'm making figure eights over and over and over, and nothing's happening. And I'm like, what's going on? Why isn't he freezing? And it didn't work. And I was, like, ready to throw my 3DS out the window. Yes. I can't, uh... I can't wait to talk about Phantom Hourglass. <laughs> the figure eight <laughs> thing is definitely broken. But, I uh... mean, you're not dying to him, are you? Well, no, but I was, it was pretty annoying. Actually, the last fight, well, I kind of was. I almost, I had to use two potions that I had. When oh, we fighting, okay, because like, you're. Phantom Linebeck. Yeah, uh, Bellumbeck is what I like to call, like to call him. But Ugh. yeah, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, this is a question specifically for you, Allison. Hyrulean okay. Cookie asks, what's the higher number? Episodes where Andy called Twilight Princess ugly or episodes where he didn't? If we're just talking episodes, I would say the ones that you didn't for now. But the amount of times you said ugly, it at least in one episode, was like 19. So, <laughs> I counted. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been said a lot, but it's not in every episode. So, you just oh, have Twilight to find Princess. the right episode. That's an ugly game. So, here's one more for that count. Um, all right, Jedi <laughs> Geek Girl asks, if Breath of the Wild 2 carries over data like the mass effect series does how would you incorporate that feature um you know i i think uh, first of all allison are you familiar with how the mass effect series kind of carries over stuff uh i'm familiar with the series but not with how they carry over stuff okay so um so basically it's kind of like any bioware game actually um you your character can make a, a bevy of decisions and stuff like that a good example actually is in the first mass effect game you have a choice between two squad mates and you can only save one of them. And uh, depending on which one you, you saved, that save data then gets transferred over to Mass Effect 2 because you know they're both big parts of the sequel, but only one of them can be per playthrough because the other one died in the first game. And then like kind of decisions like that, or like what you do at certain events will, will carry over into the sequels. Okay. And um, they'll they'll save over stuff like that. So my thought when I read this question is like that would be really cool, but I think that the only way that um, this would work is if you had, like, the 
like the same this pretty much the same exact high rule and your koroks could carry over your shrines could carry over and i'm thinking and i'm like okay well then like what do you do in the sequel mm-hmm. because if like all your progress is carried over from breath of the wild one uh, i'm not sure what they would do in that point unless there's like a dark world version of the same high rule where you have all this stuff kind of pop up again so um you know i'm not sure exactly the best way to incorporate that feature but i i think it's kind of a cool idea yeah, it's a cool concept, and there isn't really a lot of um, to Zelda where you make a decision and it affects how the rest of the game goes. Right. Um, however, you can make a decision in Breath of the Wild and it affects whether you get a secret ending or not. So it'd be kind of interesting to see if you decided not to get all the memories in Breath of the Wild and you carried that saved uh, data over to Breath of the Wild 2. And how your interactions with Zelda would be different because you don't remember her completely. So right. that would be interesting. I could see that working out. But otherwise, I agree with like the progress transferring over. Because, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but it took me a long, long, long time to get all those Koroks. <laughs> and to get like my inventory full. And to fully, master the lev- the, uh, to fully level up the Master Sword. So... Right. I can't imagine playing another game so quickly, especially a sequel where I have to do all that again. Yeah, yeah, you you nailed it. Like, you don't really have those decisions in Zelda, and that's, like, those decisions are really kind of what carries over in Mass Effect versus, like, you you basically have to restart over with your weaponry, with your upgrades and your skill points, everything like that. So um, it'd be interesting to see, but, yeah, kind of a cool concept. Uh, Taylor Wells is back. He asks, Allison... What is the moment you are most proud to be a Zelda fan? Um, um, it's hard to say. Like, I, I always feel like some kind of way when I go to Symphony of the Goddesses, it just makes me realize that this small community that I'm a part of is so much bigger than I ever thought it was. Those, so, those shows like sold out most of the time. Mm. Um, yeah. any marathon event that I've been to, I am always especially proud to be a part of not only the Zelda community, but our particular community and probably any time that I see like the series itself getting the attention it deserves. I'm like, yeah, I'm here yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. You kind of took both my answers. So, and I, and I thought that you would take those on. So I kind of had a backup answer here. <laughs> um, this one's kind of in the weeds here and it's actually a preview for next week's episode, but I remember being really proud to be a Zelda fan and a Nintendo fan back in, I want to say like 2004 when Soul Calibur 2 came out. Now, Soul Calibur 2 was released on Xbox, PlayStation, and GameCube. And at the time, GameCube was like the worst selling of those consoles, probably by far. And Mm. uh, they added in a special character to each game. So uh, the PlayStation version got someone from Tekken, uh, Xbox got Spawn, and GameCube got Link. And despite just, you know, having the worst console sales of any of those three platforms, the the GameCube version of Soul Calibur 2 just blew out all the other ones just because Link was in there. So I thought that that was, like, really, really cool. Nice. So yeah, that's the moment. And actually, you know what? We're going to be talking more about Soul Calibur 2 next week. So that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg here. Awesome. Um, all right, so Corey asks, what are your opinions on figurine collecting side quests and can they be done well? Uh, we only have those in two games. Is that right? Um... The most prevalent one I think of is Wind Waker, but what's the other one? Uh, you can collect some figurines and Minish Cap as well. Ah, okay. Um, I mean, I really like the one in Wind Waker. I, a lot of people complain about the rewards for collect-a-thons like that, 
um, especially with like you know Korok seed hunting or in Wind Waker's case, uh, the figurines. Right. But at the end of the day, I think that the reward is supposed to be that you accomplish something that takes a long time and it took a lot of work, and you were the one that did that. That's that's always been how it was for me. So I plus the figurines look really cool. Like if you just you know go to that area and go into each room and look at them, they're so cool looking. So I like them. I think they're done well. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of like oddly specific. Like I'm I'm not in love with collecting figurines, but like if it's a if it's a good collectathon, I'm I'm for it. It kind of depends on the nature of how you collect them. Like in in Wind Waker, like I don't I didn't want to take pictures of anybody, so I just didn't do it. Right. <laughs> um, right. But if you if you amass these figurines via a different way, that that is more important to me than like what you're actually like collecting if that makes sense i mean back in the day when the meverse was still a thing it was Ugh. it was a lot easier to actually collect those figurines but now you really have to do it on your own see uh, uh, that's a good example actually of what i mean by like it's how you collect it rather than what you collect like if you have to mess around and go through the meverse or, or something stupid like that like ship parts in phantom hourglass is actually fresh on my mind like Get, get out of here get that garbage out of here let me just cl- let me do something in the game that i have control over yeah that i can do to get these rewards that's a good point i like that so yeah kind of uh kind of a non-answer i guess Corey. sorry but uh that's that's how i feel jedi geek girl asks what is your favorite non-zelda zelda game skyrim Okay. Yeah. Wow. That was like that was really quick. <laughs> it's the only. It's the first one that popped in my my into my head. But I love Skyrim, and I think that especially after Breath of the Wild, that it is a Zelda game. Um, and it's like it's like an open world Zelda game done right because there's a whole freaking mess of stories in there. So I love that game. I could play that forever. Uh, you know, I I played Skyrim way after it uh, it came out. Uh, in preparation for Breath of the Wild, actually, I thought that I should check it out because a lot of people were making those comparisons. I put like 120 hours in, and I feel like I barely scratched the surface. Oh yeah, of, of that definitely. Game. It's it's crazy. Yep. Um, my favorite non-Zelda, uh, you know, this is a tough one um, because I actually like I I go out of my way to play inspired by Zelda games. Um, I really I really love Blossom Tales. Anyone listening to this knows that I I'm a really big fan of that. It's very very charming and kind of like the the uh, 2d zelda that i remember fondly and and i like um i think okami is really great that kind of captures a lot of the zelda like kind of vibes it's got quirky companions and good dungeons and the aesthetic um and those are probably two you know pretty common ones so i'm going to throw two others out here that maybe people don't think of it very often um hyperlight drifter is really great it's Hmm. it's more action orientated for sure but there's lots of really great puzzles and like very cool music um and Star Fox Adventures for the GameCube, which is a Zelda game. Like, literally, so Rare back in the day was pretty famous for, like, kind of taking Nintendo engines and tweaking them. Like, what they did with Banjo-Kazooie, they took the Mario 64 engine, Diddy Kong Racing took Mario Kart. So, Star Fox Adventures took Ocarina of Time's engine and made a Star Fox game out of it, and it was awesome. It was really fun. Nice. So, yeah, those are my answers. Um, I could probably go on and on and on. That's almost an episode in and of itself, but uh, we'll move on here. <laughs> um, Jedi Geek Girl is back with her last question. If you were transported to Hyrule and had to become a species that wasn't human or Hylian, what one would it be and why? I would 
probably oh this is kind of hard actually now that I'm thinking about it I'd say I'd say Rito I feel like the uh, uh, I can't know I can't tell if I like Wind Waker Rito or Breath of the Wild Rito uh, Rito more but the idea of getting to fly around Hyrule and uh being a BA you know bird warrior sounds really cool to me I was yeah. I was struggling with the with also the Zora because you could just swim like no tomorrow that'd be pretty cool too but i think i'd pick rito yeah see i was gonna pick zora because like i i think i'd be more interested to see like what's at the bottom of the ocean like stuff where you can't see <laughs> that's i think me. that would be really cool uh <laughs> is it that's that's what's so good about it though um, plus you get to like swim up waterfalls that'd be pretty awesome oh yeah that's cool but um, you could fly up waterfalls if you're a rito <laughs> yeah but that's not fun like what's what's fun about that <laughs> nothing yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think uh, uh, maybe it's just Rivali kind of rubbing off on me where I just am like, ah, I don't want to be a Rito. But yeah, Zoro would be the answer for me here. Um, all right, let's move on here, Al. Tony asks, what is your most cherished Zelda moment? I got an answer if you don't off the top uh, of my head. Yeah, go for it. I have to think about this. Seeing the final trailer for Breath of the Wild. Bar none. Nice. Bar none. Like the, the at the Switch presentation when my god, when you see when you see Link riding on his horse and you see Princess Zelda and she finally turns around and like the people cheering when I was watching that with people, um the just that that trailer just was so masterfully done. Like it was it was this it was years and years of hype and years of anticipation coming together Zelda fans, Nintendo fans everywhere were like rallying around this game. And when that trailer hit, it was like, my God, this is going to be something special. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it it was for sure. Um, but yeah, I'll never forget watching that trailer for the first time. Like, especially at the end when you see the the release date coming. Oh, oh yeah. my God, that was so good. Like, I have goosebumps right now just thinking <laughs> about that. So the Breath of the Wild trailer, bar none. I also really appreciate that moment. I remember tearing up and my brothers looking at me like I was nuts. But I think, I think the one that I that always pops into my head is um, my very first time like getting into the series. And my brothers and I we got like this dingy um, SNES from a yard sale, and we popped in a link to the past, and it had save files on it, like completed save files, hundred percent. And I erased right. them, and my brothers were so mad at me. They're oh like, my. it already had all the stuff in it. I'm like, that's not how you play a game. You're supposed to play from the beginning. You're supposed to do it yourself. It's just it's just so funny, and it's something I just remember so well. So that oh that's my. probably mine. I used to put my sister in the sharpshooter when she would mess around with my video games, Allison. <laughs> and I feel like next time I see you, I'm going to put you in a sharpshooter for your brothers. To be fair, it wasn't even theirs, though. It was the person that we bought it from, from the yard sale. It was their save files. So, like, there's nothing left to do in the game. <laughs> Come on. Man. I don't know. I think I think I still might have to put you in that sharpshooter. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll, get a, we'll get a referee in there. Whatever happens, happens. Um, okay. Uh, here... Charles asks, uh, at uh, this is a question just for you, Allison. Oh. What aspect of the Zelda series keeps you invested? Why is this just for me? Because <laughs> well, he he tagged just you. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess like um, the lore. I feel like the lore is such a huge part of this, and people get so into it and make theories and like 
deep research into it, like on a Lord of the Rings level, which is another thing that keeps me invested in that kind of story and whatnot. But also like the sense of adventure of starting a new Zelda game and making decisions that I don't think will ever be presented to me in real life. I just think that's really cool. And that's something that I get to have and experience myself and hold forever. So that's what keeps me invested in the series. Right. I, I feel uh, like you should answer the question too, even though it was just me that was stacked. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. The, I mean, the whole package, the, the whole presentation, um, the gameplay, the music, the, the adventure, the, uh, the, like everything around it keeps me invested. There, there really isn't a part of Zelda that doesn't keep me invested. Um, you know, just being like, you, like you kind of said, being able to do those courageous things. Mm-hmm. and uh making those courageous decisions i think is the, is the big draw of why link is such a beloved character yeah all right do- a total tonal shift here but andrew asks um f mary kill malin impa ruto <laughs> allison <laughs> i love this question <laughs> I would F Impa, <laughs> marry Melon, and kill Ruto. Of course you say Melon. Of course. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to marry Malin. I'm going to marry Malin. Uh, I'm going uh, to F Ruto, and I'm going to kill Impa. Dang! Sorry, Impa. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm thinking, like, Ocarina of Time Impa, and that's that ain't my oh, jam. I didn't think... Oh, yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> not my not my favorite stage actually actually you know what i was gonna say i'm working on part two of our uh of our ocarina of time remake and i'm, I'm gonna play around with some characters there and impa's a big part of that so but that's all i'm gonna say because we're gonna we're also gonna do a show on that in the near future um so let's move on to the next question here and it's from vaniac he says if you could have any previous zelda mechanic like time travel shrinking changing the weather etc revisited and improved what would it be and what improvements would you make? Um, you know, I, I think that, and just because I want to see it in Breath of the Wild 2, I'm going to say I'd like to see the Dark World come back because I think that, um, so like the big the big draw of Breath of the Wild is obviously this, this gorgeous open world that it has. And <clears throat> for the sequel, you, like in my mind, I'm like, okay, well like, you want to you want to keep this big gorgeous open world and and have it be again the drawing point of the game but how do you make it different because we've already seen this open world so my thought is to maybe flip it on its head and make it a dark world so it's it's the same but it's not um and, and by dark world i don't mean like you have to make everything like dark and dingy like twilight princess but like just different and kind of like a twisted mirror version of itself so i i think that i would like that to come back in Breath of the Wild 2 specifically. What about you, Elle? Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I I was just thinking um, that I would kind of like time travel to come back, but in a way that's similar to... And this would actually have to incorporate some of that decision-making having an effect on l- later portions of the game. But I'd kind of like it to be something similar to Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses. Where uh, Byleth, she get or she or he, whatever, can turn back time a little bit. Say if you accidentally get one of your people killed, they 
and you're in the version that means they die forever. So <laughs> you can go back and time a few moves to like, you know, have a better different strategy. And I think that would be kind of cool, a kind of cool thing to do in the Zelda universe. I'm down for that. Um, okay, let's move on. Kylo Ren, big fan of the show, uh, asks, what's your first Legend of Zelda memory? What do you think, Kel? Um, this one's hard because I have two that come to mind and I don't know which one came first. Um, I am either thinking of my, uh, my biological mom either going to the top of the pyramid in Dark World of A Link to the Past or riding Epona in Ocarina of Time. Uh, I can't, yeah, that, I that's mine right there. Yeah, I don't know which one came first. <laughs> Definitely Ocarina of Time for me. Um, just kind of schmucking around Hyrule Field and not knowing basically what it all to do. My my brother actually somehow got a copy of Ocarina of Time before I did, so he he had it in his N sixty four, and uh, I think he just left it on. And I was I was playing the game, and then I was like, well, I want my own save file, so I made my own, and then the rest, as they say, was history. Mm. So yeah, Ocarina of Time, first Legend of Zelda memory, and created many more Legend of Zelda memories to go along with that. Yes. Um, all right, let's move on to this junk question from. Zelda Universe's <laughs> Elias Thompson. He asks, why do you think Twilight Princess is the best <laughs> Zelda game? First of all, oh, Elias, Elias is such if a you're, troll. If you're a fan <laughs> of ugly palettes and uh, ugly characters and <laughs> characters like Ilya and, and overrated characters like Midna, and if you're a fan of uh, dark and and muddy twilight zone worlds <laughs> and if you're a fan of collecting spirits and doing that not once not twice but three times uh you're, you're there's probably a lot to really love about twilight princess <laughs> however if you don't like that and you like playing good zelda games uh maybe it's not your favorite i don't know good question though good question good question you know what's you know what's doubly bad here is, is Elias is also a big Metroid fan, so I get this on both my podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I feel like that's uh, answer enough. Let's move on. <laughs> all right, Spam the Man asks: If Zelda ever did a crossover, what series do you think would be the best and worst to pair it with? Uh, well, Zelda already did a crossover with Dynasty Warriors, which I think you like, right? Yeah, you think I they like did that. a pretty good job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh. I you know I just like I would really love a Zelda RPG like a like a classic kind of RPG like I'm thinking maybe Final Fantasy seven eight nine style RPG I would love that um, but I mean it really depends on the story that you're telling and and whatever if it's going to be good or not so it's hard to say um, but that's just something that I would like to see uh, you know I I don't think that I I mean worst is uh, how about this I think like a sports Zelda game would be the worst. But even a sports Zelda game, like, could be cool if it was done properly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like for example, um, Metroid Prime Pinball is, like, is a, is a game that I just picked up for, we're, we're doing an episode on it on the Metroid show. And, like, I don't like pinball games at all, right? Like, I, I mm -hmm. didn't want to spend money on a pinball game. There, I would never buy one if it wasn't for Metroid. However... Like, it, it's, it's actually a pretty decent game for what it is, right? So it's just kind of like, um, it, I don't think that there's, like, a worse 
pair with it necessarily in my eyes it's like it's either the game is either going to be made well or it's going to be not made well so it 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 depends on what it is like i think if a game is made well you can make it work good with with anything you know what i mean yeah i get what you're saying um i don't know this is a hard question i'm thinking more of something that's similar to cadence of hyrule where you know cadence falls into hyrule and it's kind of like it's kind of transformed a little to be similar to her world. I, but I would want it to be more on level with something like Kingdom Hearts, where, you know, it's like kind of a mesh of Disney and Final Fantasy. I'd want right. something similar to that, like a mesh of, not Disney, but something similar, and Hyrule. I think that would be kind of cool. I'd be down for that. Yeah, I actually think that, like, a uh, Super Smash Bros. game like that would be really cool. Yeah. I mean, that pretty much rates itself where you can go to all these different game worlds, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a hard be... question, though. Yeah, it, it is a it's a hard question. And it, like it really it's an unanswerable one because it just comes down to the quality of the game that you make. Like um, would would a sports Zelda game that was really, really good be the worst other than like a, a my dream RPG Zelda game that was really bad? You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. So interesting question uh let's move on martin asks which zelda character would you want next in smash and he says in parentheses i know we all want tingle that's my actual answer by god i would love <laughs> tingle in smash i think that groose had his chance and they didn't put him in i think skull kid had his chance they didn't put him in it would seem weird to put those guys in smash now midna no i think tingle there's so many cool moves that you could do as tingle you could call in bodyguards you could call in um like the tingle train from root from uh balloon trip of love you could do so many different things with tingle and super smash bros he could be like a really fun character and most importantly is he looks distinctive he's not a swordsman he's not a humanoid like big character he's a short stout little fella in a green leotard with red underwear and I think that this guy would be, like, such a great addition to Smash. If I had to pick a second person, um, I don't know, maybe Impa. But that's just such kind of a boring answer, you know? Yeah. What do you think, Al? Um, I, this is kind of hard, too, because I feel like I'm just ripping off from Hyrule Warriors. But I really think that Girahim would be an interesting Smash character. I know he's an assist, but, like... I, and yeah, he's a swordsman too, and I know that this game is overdone swordsman, but at the same time, I see all his special moves in Hyrule Warriors, and I think they would be awesome in Smash Bros. Um, and like, his final smash could be turning into the sword that he is, or something of that nature. I just think that would be so cool. And you know his taunts would be absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. So, that's my pick. Okay, let me pitch you an idea here, Al. And I think I pitched it on the show before. Okay. What if... What if, Allison, what if you had Calamity <laughs> Ganon as a character, but instead of like the, instead of as he is, or maybe even this character could be called the Blight. Okay. So like this Ooh. character is kind of an amalgamation of all of the different Blights from Breath of the Wild, where like his up B is like a thunder move, his side B is a water move, his down B is a fire move, et cetera, et cetera. He could, his final smash could be transforming into Calamity Ganon. Um, I think that that would be really cool because like the problem with Breath of the Wild is like this game should have so obviously had a character go into Super Smash Bros to kind of solidify and promote that game in a sense. But like 
there is no one character from that game that stands above the rest. Like, all the champions are on an equal level. You already have Link and Zelda as pretty much your only two main like characters in that game. Calamity Ganon is just, like, this weird thing that's not a person. So, like, there wasn't that one standout character. So I thought it would actually be, be kind of cool if, like, you had that... Um, that Frankenstein's monster almost of all of the different uh, the different abilities of all the blights. I thought that would be pretty cool. That is interesting. Or you could have it be like where you choose a different skin and therefore you have a different one of the specific blights. Yeah. That'd be an yeah, interesting definitely. idea too. Yeah, I think that like I think that this idea could actually work. Just you could choose the different skins, you can incorporate all the different moves from them. You can just call them blight ganon or like what call them whatever you want but i i think that that would be cool because those characters actually like they look pretty cool i think i think i thought they looked awesome too calamity ganon himself is kind of just like a scary science experiment gone wrong but the blights themselves look awesome i agree all right we have three more to get through here al and then we'll uh, we'll dip out of here for the week mr den asks so we have gotten a zelda game every year for the last almost eight years do you think that that will change this year due to real-world events? And if not, what game do you expect? One of the HD ports, maybe. Um, so, you know, one of our big uh, questions on early episodes of the Champions cast for this year was, is Breath of the Wild 2 going to release in 2020 or not? And I think that we had some very compelling evidence that, you know, it, it definitely could have released. Um, I, I think that, you know, and perhaps real-world events affected this, perhaps they didn't, but... I think that, like, as of right now, I just, I don't see it. I don't think that there's any way that Breath of the Wild 2 releases this year. I, I think that, like, if they announced it tomorrow and said that it was releasing in November, that's still only, what, like, like five, like, less than six months, basically, of promotion time, which I feel, you know, I mean, obviously, you don't need to promote this game necessarily. It's going to sell itself. But, like, I mean, also, you do need to promote it, right? So, you have less than six months, and just the like the actual logistics of everything right now like getting cases getting packaging shipping I, I just i don't see it and uh to be honest i don't know what else we can expect this year if not breath of the wild 2 um you know we we could be wrong definitely they announced paper mario out of nowhere but uh you know i i could maybe see skyward sword hd dropping this year maybe but I again, I wouldn't necessarily count on that. Um, I don't know, Al. What do you think? Um, I was kind of of the mind at the beginning of the year that was like skeptical that we would get Breath of the Wild this year or Breath of right. the Wild two, um, as well as any ports. Like I didn't, I didn't think we were gonna have a very big Zelda year this year just because it's been so, so much in the last few years, right. and now that this pandemic and the rest of the real world stuff that's happening is happening i definitely i am definitely like more 100 percent behind that so i i just don't see anything happening this year and honestly even if breath of the wild 2 came out next year i mean i i still find that hard to believe so i feel like we're gonna have a couple quiet years but once it gets back on track it's gonna be like it's gonna be hype and insane yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think I could still see Breath of the Wild in 2021. I, I could see that. I just, um, for 2020, it's it's hard. I, you know, I could maybe see, um, I could maybe see like a smaller title, like almost like a Cadence of Hyrule-esque title coming out. Like maybe it's Zelda Dungeon Maker, or maybe it's a Zelda mobile game or like something like that. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that we're getting 
Breath of the Wild 2 this year anymore, unfortunately. And I think that the chances of an HD port are fairly low. I mean, they, they might, they could port over Wind Waker or Twilight Princess HD. Those games are already done and they've literally ported over every single other Wii U game almost. So I, maybe, but I, I just don't see that happening. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. All right, Judy asks, uh, is there a Zelda game that you would like to see in an alternate style? And it's actually kind of unfortunate because the two examples that she gives are literally the two examples that I would pick. But <laughs> she said, for example, Ocarina of Time in 3D, the Minish Cap, uh, or I'm sorry, Ocarina of Time in 2D, the Minish Cap in 3D, or A Link Between Worlds as a side-scroller, etc., etc. So the first one that I immediately thought of was like, man, I would love to see the Minish Cap in 3D. That would be so awesome to see Vadi as like this big realized 3D villain. I think that that would be so cool. But maybe even more so actually is like, you know, on Instagram there, I God, his name escapes me and I, and I apologize, but like there's a really awesome artist and he makes Breath of the Wild and Skyward Sword and um, uh, like Ocarina of Time pictures, but they're in the, the style of Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And they look so cool. And like there's Kokiri Forest. There's a bunch of landmarks from Breath of the Wild. Every time I see this, I'm like, man, I would love to play these games in 2D. Um, so that, that's, I'm, you know, she suggested it right in her question, but I'm going to basically just steal her answer and say <laughs> I would love to see that. I, um, oh gosh, I just had a thought and now, oh, okay. Um, I would like to see the Oracle games redone similarly to Link's Awakening. Because now that we know that it can look like that and it can be in that style and be more 3D and like even the cartooniness i love that i just think it would make me want to play those games more because i've never really like as i said before i've never played oracle of ages and i've never really had the desire to play it but if it maybe got a new fresh coat of paint i'd want to play it (laughs) all right i I can i can get behind that um Allison, we're going to talk off air about what it's going to take to get you to play oracle of ages here this is our (laughs) last question this is from dr wiley he asks Will we ever see Link's family in some way? Uh, you know, we, we did see Link's uncle in A Link to the Past, and we saw his sister in The Wind Waker and his grandma in The Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any more examples I'm not, not thinking of here? I mean, we can get a hint that he's got a dad in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a mom in Ocarina of Time. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Um, Yeah, I think it'd be interesting if you, like, started a Zelda game in a house that had Link with a like fully formed family. He has a mom, a dad, and maybe like a little brother. For right. some reason, I think a little brother would be perfect for Link. And then he goes off on his adventure and every once in a while he stops at home and his mom's like, oh my god, you're home. Let me cook you something. And I think that would be so cute. Like, yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I actually... You know, I, I think seeing Link's family would be cool, but like, we, like it's not like we've never seen it. Like we, that's yeah. literally the whole basis for the Wind Waker is he's going to rescue his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it would be cool, but I, like I don't think it's like a game changing, like thing for mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. think like like you absolutely said like you can have a home base and that's really cool. Maybe in Breath of the Wild two, you know, you can have you, you can upgrade your house and stuff like that, and you can actually have people like live inside of it, which would be neat. But like. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's like a, I don't know, it wouldn't be like a huge deal to me if it happened or if it didn't happen. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, okay, well, we've kind of seen it before, so like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, sure, that uh, that'd be cool. And I think that yeah, we probably will see his family in some 
former fashion here in the near future. So yeah, yeah and I realized watching. I realized as I was mentioning it that I basically described the premise of most Pokemon games. I was gonna say, but uh... <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Just put it in Zelda. Do it. <laughs> I ain't mad at that at all, actually. Uh, and we hope that you guys weren't mad at this episode at all either. Uh, Allison, I had a good time talking all these Zelda questions with you. And uh, it's time Time seems to fly when we do these kind of episodes, doesn't it? Yes, definitely, for sure. I, um, I had a good time too, and some of these really made me giggle. So I, I appreciate also hearing some of your answers, and it makes me think different things. So yeah, Absolutely. it's a good time. All right, well, we hope that you guys had a good time, and uh, we hope that everyone is, of course, being smart, staying safe, and uh, being active out there in this crazy world right now. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Uh, we want you to check us out over on Twitter. I am at Spateria316, and Allison is at Allison Aletha. Uh, head on over to Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. You know the drill. Like and subscribe if you got a Zelda fan in your life. Tell them all about the Champions cast. Uh, give us a five-star review if you think that we have earned it. And until next week, guys, we are out of here. We'll see you then.